speaker for this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word of God that is in our language, in our hands, in our hearts. Thank you, Father God, that the author, the Holy Spirit is present here and today to expose, to illuminate, to reveal, and to help us understand what is in your word. This morning, we want to give glory to Jesus. We want to lift him up. We want to fill this place with praise and worship. We want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your provision. We want to ask you, Lord, to use us. We want to ask you, Lord, to fill every empty seat. We want to ask you, Lord, to fill this hall two times over Sunday mornings so that people, more and more and more people, will come to saving knowledge, to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for our families. We pray for our loved ones. We pray for our marriages. We pray for our children. We ask a cover of protection over them, Lord. We pray for the men in this house. We pray for the men of our church. I pray that you would breathe life like you breathed into Adam, like you breathed into Adam, breathe life every day that they would know you, that they would know the call on their life, that they would know the respect and honor that you give uh, every man. I pray that they would stand tall, that they would hear their father's voice and by that, by that voice they would live every hour of every day. Lift them out of the drudgery of listening to the negativity and the, and the criticism and the canceling of, of the men all around them, from television to social media to sometimes even their own family members. Oh God, let every man stand strong in Christ's name, by the command of Christ. Let him be a man of God and God's man in his place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you turn in your Bibles if you have a Bible on your phones or you got it on the screen for those of you who are yet to buy your Bibles. Mark chapter 8, and I want to work through just the first 20 verses. Mark chapter 8 and verse uh, 1 to 20. I've entitled this uh, sermon this morning, Do You Not Remember? Do You Not Remember? In those days, when again a crowd, a great crowd had gathered, they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and he said to them, I have compassion. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, collapse. And some of them have come from a very long distance. And his disciples answered him, say, how can we feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. He said, direct the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he said, and he took the seven loaves, having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, set before the people. They set it before them, before the crowd. And they, oh, they had a few fish. They had a few small fish and having blessed that as well, he said, these are also to be set before them. And they ate and they were satisfied. They were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces, left over seven baskets, seven baskets full. And they were 4,000 people and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat. Just after that, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Pharisees, verse 11. And the Pharisees came and began to argue. Pharisees argue, Pharisees argue. Seeking from him a sign, sign test. Seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed in his spirit, sigh spirit. He sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why? Why, not what? Why? Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, truly, I say to you, no sign. No sign will be given to this, to this generation. And, I, and he left them, got into the boat again, went to the other side. Verse 14, back to the uh, warning with the, with the disciples. Verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring some bread, the disciples, and they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, so watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of Herod. Leaven of Pharisees, leaven of Herod. 
and they began discussing one among the seven, one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why? Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Do you not remember the title of this morning's sermon? Verse 19, when I broke, do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets? 12. Seven for the five, seven for the 4,000. How many baskets? Seven. And he said to them, do you yet not understand? Do you yet not understand? Go back to verse one. Go back to verse one. Background, Jesus has been in Bethsaida. Jesus has pulled off some amazing miracles. Deaf and mute fellow, Syrophoenician woman. And basically he is now moving his attention to the Gentile territory. And everybody wants to know this Jesus, this rabbi, this miracle worker, this powerful man making claims out of this world. Is he going to do the same thing for the Gentiles that he did for the Jews? That is the real issue and has nothing to do with you or me or miracles. That is the real issue throughout the verse 20 in the 20 verses. The real issue is we are the blessed ones. Abraham's covenant is with us. We are the ones who have the promise of our father Abraham. All good things from the father must come to us. You're a rabbi. In fact, you're claiming to be the Messiah. Even more so, whatever you have to bring to us is for us. We are the treasured. We are the pleasured. We are the special people. Were they wrong? No, they're not wrong. They are special. But they're so special that they didn't want to involve anybody else. The gospel from the mission heart of God, I repeat, the gospel from the mission heart of God, which was to his people, not all people, but one man, Abraham, and then people, through him a seed would come, and that seed would be for all nations. Should have gone to all nations, didn't go to all nations, but Jesus is going to come, and the second Adam is going to get it right. And he's taking now the seed, he, he is the seed, he's taking the mission of God, the Father's heart, to all people. So Jesus... You did miracles among us. You healed us. And you are bringing healing to the nation. That's the fulfillment of the Messiah's uh, prophecies. He would bring healing to uh, Israel. But then would he bring healing to the other nations? Is this interest us? Not at all. We have nothing to do with it. At the end of the day, we are the same Gentiles without whom we would not have received the gospel of Jesus had not had enough compassion for the crowds. But then what you find is the more he took his band, the boys, the, the 12 and several others, the more he took his entourage with him and they traveled by Shatabdi and they went down to the Gentile territory all the way from Bethsaida. They moved over a period of three months. They would have done this ministry tour. They would have done this ministry tour and a whole lot of people, entourage, he's taking them with them on the train, off the train. He's getting to Gentile territory. He went to a Decapolis. He went to a Decapolis. That would be a modern day Delhi. He went into the city, went into intellectual territory. He went into financial, the financial hub of the place. He went into the place where there was a powerful, where there's the townhouse, where there's the Rashtrapati Bhavan, where there is the parliament. He went to a place where there was a stronghold, political, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial, everything. So now Jesus is taking his boys and he's giving them a tour. And as he does these miracles, what? Heal the blind, make them see. Heal the deaf, Make them hear. Do you not see? Having ears, do you not see, uh, hear? Having eyes, do you not see? Are you getting the correlation? He's like, Unka kaan khol I'm opening their eyes. I'm opening their ears. And you guys, 
with eyes and ears do not see. You're getting the correlation? So he, so there's a connect there. People are like, oh, okay, I get it. So he's taking these boys, he's helping them to understand, I am going away, but you guys are going to be going to Gentile territory. Thomas, you might hit Kerala, okay? And the guy called Paul is going to show up and he's going to mess everybody up. Okay, and all of you, all of you are going to land up in one of those European countries and there's going to be a chapel named after you. And each of you is going to die for me. But when you go into Gentile territory, I want you to remember, I want you to remember, I want you to remember. Do you not remember? Everybody with me? Okay. In those days, which days? The three months when they were touring and the three days in which the crowd had gathered. In Bethsaida, just give me a background. In Bethsaida, there was a miracle of the 5,000. Do you remember that? How many days? They have been with me one whole day. Very well done, Jews. Good job. The Gentiles, three days, no food. Three days. And the disciples are beginning to think, hey, we're way more popular here. There seems to be an hunger for Jesus way more over here. That's incredible. And the Gentiles were more hungry. The Syrophoenician woman was more humble. The people were more open to the Messiah than his own people. For he came into, unto his own, but his own did not receive him. But to them who did receive him, to them they gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them who called on his name. So in those days, underline those days, when again, so there's the author telling us that this is the second round of the same miracle. The second round of the same miracle. But it's a few days later. And the way they're expressing the place, it seemed like as if the last time there was plush grounds, it was easy, people were hearing everything, and it was only one day. This time you got 4,000 men, not counting women and children, but it's Gentiles, so people had come from a long way, which means they brought their grandfather, their grandmother, they brought everybody. So we're talking about 20,000 easily. And they were sitting on harsh ground. It was kind of summer, sitting on harsh ground. A great crowd, that's a multitude, had gathered and they had nothing to eat. They had not, of course, that place was open, there was no McDonald's, nothing, no to eat. He called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion. The word compassion is to suffer with, to suffer with. Passion means suffer, compassion is to suffer with. I have compassion, I feel a gut pain for this crowd. I've already fed them spiritually, but they are also hungry. They're also hungry. A father's heart will always take care of all needs. I have a compassion for this crowd because they have been with me. Being with me was more important to them than food and, and three days of homestay. Now three days they have been with me with nothing to eat. If I do send them away, hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, faint collapse on the way, and, on, and some of them have come from a far way. God is always thinking about your everyday needs along with your eternal needs. Did you hear that? God is thinking about your eternal needs. He's thinking about your spiritual needs. He's thinking about your soul needs. But he's also thinking about your everyday needs. He's acquainted with our sorrows. He knows I need a good meal as long as a good eternity. God knows what I need and his compassion is for you. When you've had a hard day, he suffers with you. He suffers with you. Compassion. When you've had a hard relationship, he suffers with you. He doesn't take you out of it, but he suffers with you. God is a God of compassion. Jesus is a God of compassion. How, and his disciples answered him. Now he's turned to his disciples and said, let's do something about it. And then they say, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? Now, generally speaking in that area, bread and fish were the thing. When you lived around a lake, lived around a sea, 
bread and fish was a thing. So how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? What they're saying is not that we don't remember, oh, it's been so long, we don't remember you fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Oh, we've forgotten the miracle. That's not what's happened. And that's not the title of today's sermon. That's not what they forgot. They knew that Jesus could do it, but they are looking at a situation, Jews, God's people, on God's turf, Bethsaida. Now in the Decapolis, outside in the wilderness, 4,000 people, Gentiles, will the same blessing be passed on to them? Will the same blessing be passed on to them? And they look at the creator and say, time for creation again. Time to create food again. You created food on the spot for 5,000, but will you do it for these people? Will you do it for these people? Will God be good again? Will God provide again? Will God do the same thing, the same need, the same situation, the same debt, the same problem, the same finance, the same feeling, the same uh, relationship? Will God heal again? Does he do the same thing twice? Will God work again? How many loaves do you have, guys? This time they've got seven loaves. Last time, five. This time they got seven loaves. Is that a significant thing? I don't know. If I studied deeper, I'd probably come up with something. And he directed the crowd, sit down, that's familiar. He took the seven loaves, he gave thanks, that's familiar. He broke it, that's familiar, but not usual. He broke it, that's familiar, but not usual. Why? Because Jews, by rabbinic tradition, were not meant to eat with the Gentiles. So when you break bread, you are eating with somebody. So the host would get up and the host would break bread and the host would pass the bread around, the bread would go all. He who dips the bread in the cup, remember that? And Jesus, the host and the God of creation, is not only breaking the bread, but breaking bread that he created. And he's breaking bread with Gentiles. What is he saying? The gospel is coming to everyone. The gospel is coming to everyone. Boys, take a good look. I am going to everyone. There's nobody unclean. Because nothing that comes from outside makes you unclean. Only what comes from inside. So far, so good. He's breaking bread with Gentiles. Does that mean much to you? Not in today's day and age. Not in today's day and age. We share each other's spoons also. But for, for those people coming from a Jewish background, it was repulsive. It was repulsive that they had to take that food and they had to give it to the Gentiles, but they did. So he directs the crowd, seven loaves, given thanks, he broke the bread and gave them to his disciples. He didn't give it out, he gave them to his disciples so that they were channel of God's provision to others and they set them before him. Then this time you don't count the fish, it's a few small fish, few small fish. These, guys, these are key words, small. Few small fish, having blessed them, he said that these should also be set before them. They ate and they were satisfied, fantastic. And they took up the broken pieces. This time it's seven baskets full, seven baskets full. Now, very, very, very interesting. There were two baskets, okay? With the previous miracle, there were, the word used is small baskets, like shopping baskets, small baskets. And then in the second time over here in the Greek, there is a big basket, the kind of basket that Paul was let down outside the wall. Do you remember that story? When Paul was let down, it was a basket enough for a man to sit in it. He could get into those big baskets and then they would let down that basket. That's the basket he's talking about. So those who have 12 small baskets, this is seven large baskets. And Jesus is going to make a difference. That's how I collected after I fed the Jews. But after I finished with the Gentiles, there'll be way more. They'll be where 
Where me where that where that came from. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples, went to the district of Dalmutha. Let's go to the Pharisees, come back to the disciples. Real quick, I'm almost done. The Pharisees came and began to argue. That seems to be the only thing that they can do. And this is a situation where the Pharisees were now on Gentile territory, so they'd basically be checking up on Jesus as to why on earth he was doing what he did as a rabbi. The Pharisees, and they began to argue. Reminds me of reason. Reminds me of a demand for demonstration, demand for sign, a demand for proof. So seeking from him a sign, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him, he's saying, show us, prove to us. Miracles weren't enough. The word wasn't enough. The compassion wasn't enough. Give us a sign. Prove to me who you are. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. Are there any other situations where Jesus sighed deeply? Jesus sighed deeply. Remember? On the cross, Lazarus, deeply, when he sighed deeply. That's the heart of God aching. You know when you're, you have a gut feeling and it hurts deep down within and you have this sense of loss slash grief slash when is this going to end? Sometimes it's for your daughter, sometimes it's for your son, sometimes it's for your spouse, sometimes it's for a loved one. Sometimes it's for your aging father or for your aging mother. Sometimes for, it's for someone you love dearly or you invested much dearly. When will this ever end? When is this going to end? Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit, in his spirit, small s, and said, why, not what? What are they looking for? What is the sign they're looking for? Why are they looking for a sign? Because when you're looking for a sign, you lack faith. When you're looking for a sign, you lack faith. When you have faith, you're not looking for a sign. You're not looking for a sign. So looking for a sign and looking for reason was uh, a problem. Truly, I say to you, no sign. No sign will be given to this generation. In the parallel gospels, he did and finished that sentence, say no sign will be given, but, anybody remember? But the sign of the prophet Jonah. That is, go down, come out. So he was talking about the resurrection. We'll talk about that later. Okay, come back to verse 14. Let's wrap this up. Now they had, gotten, they had forgotten to bring what? Bread. One thing. One thing. 4,000 men, not counting women and children. Bread had been multiplied. And these guys get on the boat with one loaf of bread. Good job. Good job, guys. Anyway, they got on the, they got on the boat. They bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus gets into the boat. Jesus is thinking about what the Pharisees were saying. And Jesus says, watch out, guys. As you go through this, watch out. Your real enemies are not the people of other faith. Your real enemies is not the cultures around you. Your real enemies is the own, your own ones among you who are religious and looking for a sign. They are the ones you need to be careful with. Their self-righteousness pride, self-righteous pride is more dangerous than an opposition in faith. People of opposite faith. He cautioned them. He said, watch out, watch out. So a little bit of mentoring happening in the boat with the disciples. Watch out. Beware of two things. Number one, the leaven of the Pharisees. What is leaven? Yeast. Yeast. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? Spiritual pride, righteousness, keeping of the law, righteousness that comes from keeping of the law. Number two, the leaven of Herod. What is the leaven of Herod? Herod Antipas was a debaucherous man. He was an indulgent man. He was a hedonistic man. That's another leaven. So you got the leaven of Herod and you got the leaven. He says to these guys, 
Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, he says, why? Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive, underline perceive. Do you not understand, under, underline understand. Look at what God is looking for from you. He's looking for not faith in another miracle, but understanding in the last one. I repeat, he's not looking for faith for another greater miracle. He's looking for your understanding of the last miracle. From every miracle, you don't understand the miracle, you understand the miracle worker. From every miracle, you don't study the miracle, you study the miracle worker. What do you understand about me? I have gone to the Jews? Yes. Am I going to the Gentiles? Yes. Do I bless the Jews? Yes. Do I bless the Gentiles? Yes. I'm coming from the heart of God and not from your law book. I'm coming from the heart. Do you not get it? Do you not understand? And this is necessary for them to understand because they were going to go into all the world and send the gospel out. Do you not yet perceive, understand? Are your hearts hardened? That's pretty rough on your own disciples. He says, are your hearts hardened? Then he says, eyes, you do not see. Ears, you do not hear. Do you not remember? What should they not remember? Or what were they not remembering? The context. The context of forgetfulness. The context of forgetfulness. What are we talking about? They're on the boat and they have only one loaf of bread. Hmm. So for 5,000 people, Jesus multiplied five loaves of bread. That's a miracle. Great. For 4,000 Gentiles, Jesus multiplied seven loaves of bread. Are you getting this? Are you understanding? Are you keeping up with me? How many here? Who? Jews. Over here, Gentiles. In the boat, how many? 12. So I can do it for 5,000. I can do it for 4,000. I can't do it for 12. What are you worried about? What are you worried about? And that is the problem. That is the problem. Is God good? Oh, yeah, amen. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yes, God is good. Is God good to everybody? Oh, yeah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is good to everybody. Can God do massive things, great things, change nations? Oh, yeah, wonderful. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Can God get you through this particular problem for this next Wednesday morning that you're going to face? Have you prayed about it? Do you trust that God can open the doors and just, no, you don't know my boss. You don't know my boss. Do you think God can fix your marriage? Oh, you don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. So God can feed 5,000 Jews. God can feed 4,000 Gentiles, not counting women and children. But you, apparently his hands are tied. Your small problem, apparently that's a greater issue. Do you not remember? Do you not remember? Do you not understand? Do you not perceive? I open the eyes of the blind, but are your eyes still closed? I open the ears of the deaf, but are your ears still closed? When I broke five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets? 12. Seven for the 4,000, how many baskets? Seven. Do you not understand? Understand what? That God can provide. Understand that the issue of the blessing, the blessing is to the Gentiles in equal proportion, if not more. Because God, Jesus was impressed. Every time Jesus was impressed, he was impressed with the Gentile for their faith. Eating with Gentiles, one day with the 5,000, three days with the 4,000, no food. 12 baskets, seven baskets. Bethsaida, Decapolis. Jesus will remain the source and force. Jesus will remain the source and force behind their ministry when they go out into the whole world. You guys are going to go out into the whole world, he's telling the boys. And you will face this. And you need to understand that whether it's the Jews or the Gentiles, whether it's 5,000 or 4,000, whether it's arid land or whether it's the Decapolis, I am your provider. You change your situation. 
not the provider. Where is your faith? Do you not remember? Do you not understand? Father, thank you for challenging our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.